BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When seven men were gunned down in a Chicago garage in 1929, their killers thought nothing of it. After all, they had been engaged in a hostile war against each other, and the victims were merely collateral damage. What they didn't expect, though, was that these killings would mark the end of the powerful grip that they had had over American society. With these seven murders, they managed to topple the organised crime syndicates that terrorised the country's citizens. This is the story of the 1929 Valentine's Day Massacre. What began as a simple murder turned into a catalyst for the downfall of America's most notorious villain and the crime syndicates that had turned America's streets into their personal battlefields. Chicago in the early 20th century was incredibly diverse thanks to the influx of European immigrants as well as Americans relocating from other states, both of whom had come to the city in search of a better life. Unfortunately, this sudden population growth meant that local law enforcement found themselves overstretched and severely outmatched, which led to them quickly losing control over the citizens. This lack of police presence, combined with the melting pot, transformed Chicago into a breeding ground for organized crime. It didn't take long before petty thieves and thugs became full-time gangsters in a desperate bid to support their families and survive the unfair social systems working against them. Among the many groups that emerged from these unfortunate circumstances was the North Side Gang, which was led by a known criminal named Dean O'Bannon and consisted mostly of Irish Americans, with a few Polish American members too. They took control of the area's breweries and distilleries, which enabled them to monopolise the city's supply of beer and whiskey. This was an endeavour that was extremely profitable, given that alcohol was banned in the country after prohibition was declared in January 1920. 
Besides bootlegging alcohol, the Northside gang was also involved in burglary, illegal gambling, and election fraud, the latter of which meant that their political allies shielded them from the full force of the law. However, their activities were often hampered by their main adversary, the Italian-American Southside Gang. Later called the Chicago Outfit, this syndicate would one day be led by America's most infamous mobster, Al Capone, and was involved in many of the city's most heinous crimes, including loan sharking, prostitution, and political corruption. The hostility between the two groups was mostly due to tensions between Irish and Italian immigrants, who often found themselves at each other's throats. It was also caused by the monopoly that the Northside gang had on alcohol production, which they refused to share with the Chicago outfit. In 1924, Dean O'Bannon was gunned down at a flower shop that he owned, which led to his childhood friend and right-hand man, George Moran, who went by the nickname Bugs, inheriting his position. The new leader on the Northside gang immediately found himself in an all-out war against the Chicago outfit, with both sides trying their best to murder the other's members. During this time, brutal shootouts often erupted on the city streets, terrorizing both law enforcement and ordinary citizens alike. On one occasion, the Northside gang piled themselves into six cars and drove past the hotel, where Al Capone and the Chicago outfit were eating lunch, showering them with more than a thousand bullets. None of them found their target, however, and an enraged Al Capone ordered his associates to eliminate every single crime syndicate in Chicago so that they could consolidate their power. This directive exasperated the hostilities and violence between the two rival groups. Unfortunately for the Northside gang, they would end up on the wrong end of the war when it reached its bloody climax on the morning of Valentine's Day, 1929. At approximately 10.30am that day, Bugs Moran arrived at a garage located at 2122 North Clark Street, which he and his associates frequently used as a meeting place. They were expecting to receive a large delivery of bootleg whiskey. However, he had accidentally slept in and thus was late to the appointment. Foul Play is brought to you by Ritual. Did you know that even if you eat a really healthy diet, most people don't get everything the body needs from the food that they're eating alone? Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 have low vitamin D, and 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of omega-3. But don't worry, Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamins were formulated to help fill these gaps and more. Each tablet is packed with nutrients to help support brain health, blood health and provide antioxidant support. But Ritual didn't stop there. They invested in a gold standard, university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essentials for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin, which was published in leading scientific journal Frontiers in Nutrition. This is a big deal 
and shows serious commitment by Ritual to set a standard in the industry. Ritual are transparent, their ingredients are traceable and vegan-friendly, and their communication is clear. No shady stuff here. I love Ritual. I've been taking them for a number of months now, and I find them easy to swallow and digest. If you're a stationary person, you will love the presentation when you receive the box. And the minty tab in the bottle means you don't end up with fish breath that you get with some of these supplements. Oh, and if you're unorganised like me, they're on a subscription basis, so you never need to worry about running out. But the best part is that all of these vitamins and nutrients are packed in one tablet, which means one... I can take the supplements my body needs without rattling as I walk. And two, when I go on vacation, there is more room in my case for shoes. Right now, Ritual are offering our listeners 10% off their first three months. Visit ritual.com slash foul and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash foul. Please note that all statements made in this advertisement have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease. Right as he was about to head into the establishment, Moran noticed two police officers walking inside. He wisely decided to hang back, believing it to be a simple routine raid that they would be able to escape from, thanks to the politicians they had in their pockets. However, these were no ordinary policemen. Rather, they were actually disguised members of the Chicago outfit who had been ordered by Al Capone to destroy their rival syndicate. Accompanied by several other men, they entered the garage and caught the members of the Northside Gang by surprise. Armed with two Tommies and a 12-gauge shotgun, they ordered their adversaries to line up shoulder-to-shoulder against the wall and gun them all down. According to the book, Get Capone, by Jonathan Eag, quote, In a haze of sprayed machine gunfire, brick dust, and smoke, seven men fell. Bullets tore through flesh and sinew and lodged in the wall. Shells pinged to the ground and spun. Blood dark as motor oil surged across the cold concrete floor and slid thickly down a drain. Some men died instantly. Some gasped briefly for air. In the end, though, all seven members of the Northside gang lost their lives that morning. Among those who died were the auto mechanic Johnny May, as well as James Clark, who went by the pseudonym Albert Kakalek, in a bid to escape the allegations of armed robbery and murder that followed him. The embezzler Adam Hayer, the optometrist Reinhard Schwimmer, the nightclub owner Albert Weinshank, and the Gusenberg brothers Frank and Peter also perished. Their killers were able to leave the garage undetected by using a clever strategy. The two who were dressed as police officers led the rest of their associates out at gunpoint to mimic arrests that were usually made after a raid. Because of this, those in the vicinity didn't spare them a glance when they sped away in a black Cadillac. The bodies of the Northside gang members may have gone undetected for hours had it not been for one of their neighbors who peeked into the garage and immediately called the police department upon seeing the seven mutilated corpses that lay inside. Frank Gusenberg was still alive when the authorities arrived on the scene. However, he refused to share any information with them due to the mutual distrust shared by law enforcement and the city's organized crime syndicates. 
He also allegedly adhered to the code of silence that ruled the mob, regardless of their allegiance. When asked by police officers, he purportedly replied, quote, No one, nobody shot me. According to some reports, though, Gusenberg merely claimed that it was the cops who killed his friends. Unfortunately, he died at the hospital before he could say anything more. The St. Valentine's Day massacre, as it was soon to become known, proved to be devastating for Boggs Moran. The majority of its victims were the associates whom he trusted the most. For instance, the Gusenberg brothers were known thugs who acted as his enforcers, while Johnny May played a crucial role in their bootlegging activities. Their loss led to Moran losing his grip on the territories that he once held, and the Northside gang fell apart. With these seven murders, Al Capone managed to eliminate the one obstacle in his quest for power. However, this incident, as bloody and brazen as it was, would never be officially linked back to him or the Chicago outfit. Due to the nature of the crime and its victims, all eyes unsurprisingly turned to Al Capone, who immediately presented an alibi. At the time of the massacre, he had been in a courthouse in Dade County, Florida, where he was being interviewed by a prosecutor named Loie Goldstein. Goldstein was tasked with investigating the murder of Frankie Yale, a gangster from Brooklyn, where he was involved in a number of illicit activities, including racketeering. In 1917, he opened a bar in Coney Island and employed an 18-year-old Al Capone, who took on the role of bartender and waiter. It was at this bar where Al Capone received the facial scars that would forever be associated with him. At some point during his employment, he had flirted with the sister of a New York mobster named Frank Galuso, allegedly whispering to her, quote, Honey, you have a nice ass, and I mean that as a compliment. For this attack against her honor, Galuso slashed Al Capone's left cheek three times, with one of the wounds going from his ear to mouth. Despite the ruckus, Yo went on to mentor Al Capone in the art of organized crime even going so far as to travel to Chicago in 1924 to assist the Northside gang in their plans to kill their longtime rival, Dean O'Banion. He was arrested by the local police for his involvement in the murder. However, he was able to present a solid alibi and was eventually released. Yale's relationship with Al Capone began to deteriorate in 1927. This would come to a head in July the following year, when he was killed during a car chase through Brooklyn, which ended in him being shot twice in the head. Many believe that his former protégé was behind his assassination, including the prosecutor, Louis Goldstein, who began investigating the incident. Al Capone may have been confident that Goldstein wouldn't find any evidence to tie him to Yale's murder. However, he still left the interview in Florida, feeling unnerved by the money-related questions that he had been asked. He was aware that his taxes were already being investigated by the Internal Revenue Service, but he had been lulled into a false sense of security when no official representative from the agency was present during the meeting. Meanwhile, back in Chicago, news of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre quickly spread. The front pages of local newspapers were plastered with black and white photos of the scene of the crime including the bodies that lay on the ground, surrounded by pools of blood. The brutal violence that these images depicted sent shockwaves across the nation and increased the American public's anger over organized crime. As they were confronted by these graphic photos in their morning newspapers, they began to realize the true extent of the power and authority that gangsters wielded. 
According to the book Get Capone by John Ike, quote, from coast to coast, people seemed suddenly to reach the conclusion that a line had been crossed, that the violence had become too much, that the experiment known as prohibition had blown up once and for all, end quote. Many contemporary historians now claim that the Salentine's Day massacre marked a turning point in public sentiment against the Chicago outfit and their leader. While they had been tolerated out of fear before, the public now openly vilified them, with the press even calling Al Capone public enemy number one. This spurred the authorities to increase their efforts to pin him down, and in June 1931, Al Capone was finally indicted on the charge of tax evasion, an accusation that resulted from a months-long forensic accounting conducted by Special Agent Frank Wilson and the Intelligence Unit of the Internal Revenue Service. Following an internationally publicized trial, Al Capone was sentenced in October 1931 to 11 years in prison, part of which was spent at the infamous Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary in the San Francisco Bay. He was released in 1931, and spent the remainder of his life as an invalid recluse at his home in Florida, where he died in 1947. While the American public believed that Al Capone was behind the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, it was his top executioner, Jack McGunn, who took most of the heat from the authorities. McGunn, who went by the nickname Machine Gun, was investigated for his alleged involvement, but when questioned by the police, he reportedly laughed and said that, quote, me mixed up in that gang killing? Don't make me laugh. The Gusenberg boys would have plugged me if they saw me a block away. In an interview with the press, he further claimed that the Chicago Police Department had actually carried out the murders. No one believed McGunn's allegations, though. Least of all, Buddy Moran, the former leader of the Northside Gang, reportedly killed him with a spray of machine gun bullets on the seventh anniversary of the brutal murders. But in an eerie echo of the St. Valentine's Day massacre, McGunn's killer remains officially unknown to this day. The St. Valentine's Day massacre may be regarded as the event that turned the tide on organized crime in America, but it's also a testament to the power that the mob once held. After all, only they could come away unscathed and unpunished from the brutal murders of seven men in broad daylight. Sources for this episode include a book titled The Northside Gang, The History and Legacy of the Organised Crime Mob that fought Al Capone for control of Chicago. The book Get Capone, The Secret Plot that Captured America's Most Wanted Gangster by Jonathan Eig, Encyclopedia Britannica, The National Crime Syndicate, the official website for the History Channel, the Encyclopedia of Chicago, the Mob Museum, the Chicago Tribune, Thought Co., the Law Library, American Law and Legal Information, the Independent, the Scotsman, and Chicago Magazine. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. 
Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.